Digital Marketing Radio, episode 111. Is Apple's iOS 9 a game changer? DigitalMarketingRadio.com Today's episode is brought to you by DeepCrawl.com. When you need a comprehensive website crawler that identifies and monitors how your site is performing through the eyes of a search engine, I recommend DeepCrawl. DeepCrawl gives a complete and accurate picture of the health of your website architecture and identifies where the gaps are. Get your free website crawl of up to 10,000 URLs at deepcrawl.com slash report. That's deepcrawl.com forward slash report. The Big Interview with David Bain. I'm joined today by one of Australia's top digital marketers. He is the creator of The Challenge and the founder of Madcast. Welcome to DMR, Mr. Ed Dale. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me, David. Oh, it's wonderful to have you here. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, well, uh, you can find Ed over, you know, among other places, over at eddale.co. Um, but, um, Ed, let's dive deep into digital marketing um, right from the off and say, <laughs> um, should businesses that only have websites and don't have apps be worried? Or is it perfectly okay just to potter on and just have a website? Look, I think those days of just having a website are, you know, numbered. I really do. And there's a number of reasons for that. And he, you know, the, the way I, when people ask me this, I, I simply say, well, have a look at your stats. You know, what, do you, what are your stats telling you? Um, typically, I haven't asked anybody recently that hasn't had 20% of their traffic or more coming from a mobile device. 20% is on the low end. Here in Australia now, 55% of all business traffic is on sites being surfed from a mobile device. So that tells you something. But here's something that's even more important, I think, David, and particularly for people with e-commerce bents and, and, and so on, is that, you know, if you're on a phone and you're looking up clotheslines, you have a big problem. You've probably got your clothesline sticking through your lounge room window or something like that, and you need to replace it because, you know, of all the things you can be doing on your phone, you could be playing Candy Crush. You could be doing any number of awesome, cool stuff on your phone, yet you are searching for clotheslines. And this is the thing. I, I don't think people think through the mentality of, of uh, people when they're on the different devices because often they're looking at your site for different reasons when they're on that device. So, look, if 20% of your traffic is coming from a mobile device, are you spending 20% of your development resources making sure your mobile experience is excellent? And, and I don't think a responsive website is enough. I truly don't. And I think with the announcements from uh, Google I.O. and in particular Apple at uh, WWDC with what they're going to be doing with iOS 9, I think it's going to become even more important. Mm. I liked your answer there, actually, just look at your stats, because a lot of businesses, as you say, are having a lot of uh, mobile traffic. But um, I've looked at certain industry segment, segments that are only getting, um, say, 10% of the traffic from mobile and the vast majority desktop because their offering is professional-based and um, mm-hmm. the vast majority of the audiences are on desktops during the day. But then you'll get yep. other industries which are 50 plus percent mobile mm-hmm. um so if you're ignoring mobile there obviously then it is potentially to the detriment of your business in the future um but yeah. you, you, t- you talked about apps um on phones there so 
Are you uh, talking about apps on uh, Apple devices mainly? Um, is that the main place to be concerned about when it comes to apps? Or, or if well, I was going to say, David, it, it's you know you have to look at your you have to look at your market. Uh, the reason I tend to look at the Apple devices first for most things is not because well I do I am an Apple fanboy. There's no question about it. Uh, I'm a huge admirer of the company, but to me. Um, the key thing, most of the stuff that I sell is not uh, required for life on this planet. You know, as much as I would, it's not required for, you know, feed food. It's not required for shelter. It's not a utility like electricity or even the phone itself as like a, as a phone bill. I wish it was that, that important, but it's not. So I rely on disposable income for people who are interested in buying my stuff. And and I suspect a lot of listeners and people watching this uh, would be in the same circumstance. And that, to me, is that's that's really key here you know and so when you look at the stats the stats are incontrovertible you know people tell me well 80% of the world's on android devices yes but 88% of the people with disposable income are on ios devices so that's why i tend to look at ios devices first but but more importantly than that forget the android ios thing for a second it comes down to this thing and both google and apple have really got this in their sites right now and that is user experience, right? And forget us, we're not real people, right? We're 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 geeks and technical people and and we love our devices and, and so on. Joe and Jane Smith, civilians, as I like to call them, you know, they love their devices too, but they also have no appreciation for the technology. You know, when my wife is uh, uploading a photo to Facebook and she you know, if it's not on her feed in four seconds, she's wondering what's going on. And that speed is everything. Google has been focused on speed ever since it started. Apple is focused on speed. And that experience, people now expect with their mobile devices to have instantaneous experiences, right? Mm. And on the web, we're used to waiting, right? We're used to, used to pages reloading and so on. So what's happening now is Joe and Jane Smith are used to that. They don't like waiting. And so if you're experience of your website particularly like a responsive website is super slow people are just going to click off to candy crush or wherever else because they want instantaneous that's where the whole market is going and i think google realizes this um apple certainly realizes this in a big big way and and i think as digital people who are promoting their products and services or providing you know products and services through uh online have to take that into account now Mm. I think a lot of businesses, in relation to your answer there, a lot of businesses in general forget about um, what it's like to be a newbie or experiencing a product or service for the first time. And they're mm -hmm. obviously very used to what they do and they understand the intricacies of it and um, just because they fully understand it they think that someone looking at whatever they do for 30 seconds should immediately understand it and um, they don't. No, that's right. You look at, uh, you know, you look that loading a picture up onto Facebook, you know, what people don't realize, I get it, is that you've just uploaded a photo, which is, you know, three or four megabytes in size, and that's gone to a old power station in Finland that Facebook has converted into a massive 
photo database farm and they've actually submerged it under with seawater to keep it cool and it has gone from here in Melbourne all across the other side of the planet and then it has come back here in a matter of seconds. That is a phenomenal, incredible experience. But if it's not as quick as turning on your remote or changing a channel on TV, Joe and Jane Smith don't care. They don't want to wait. They want mm. instantaneous. And and that's what I think, uh, you know, as I say, Android, iOS, Apple, iOS realise. And I think as deliverers of information online, we need to realise that too. So Apple are in the process of um, releasing iOS 9 as we speak. And one of the features that they're releasing is in app search. Um, mm. So that allows Apple to crawl the website um, of an app, actually, and also allows the app to handle deep linking and support structured data to surface within the search so could any of that be a complete game changer do you think Uh, i think this is huge and google are doing a very similar thing from their googly angle now the way i describe it the best way to describe there are two different philosophies here both trying to get the same result but two different ways what apple is doing which is pretty extraordinary when you think is they are trying to put your search engine in your pocket So in other words, when you search for something, the first thing it's going to do is look through everything on your actual phone in a very, that sounds creepy, but it's actually quite the opposite. It's super private because that query no longer goes to Google, that query. So if you are looking for, um, I don't know, if you're looking for reading glasses, um, you know, if you have a, um, if you have actually reading glasses, a rubbish example. I don't know why. <laughs> I thought no. If you've got an e-commerce app that's got reading glasses in it as part of that, then it will surface that first. Another great example with their news app, uh, the new news app, which is very very interesting, particularly for digital publishers, is that if there, if you're looking for an article on, say, uh, you know, the FIFA fiasco that's going on at the moment it will it will surface news items that are on your phone first before it ever goes to the web it doesn't need to go to the web anymore to provide the information and it's really clever when you think about it because if i've chosen on my you know people might use flipboard as another example of this if i've picked the news sources that I like and trust in this news app or on flipboard or indeed you know for digital publishers magcasters people publishing their own magazines i much rather get an article than that then think about what's happening at the moment so if i search for something right now on a device it i do it either in the search screen or the vast majority of people type in the little url bar at the top of safari and then uh it you type in so you know if it's uh, nba finals you type in nba finals and you get a list comes up of Google or Bing search results. Now, we all know that now we have to trawl through (laughs) these links, right, to get that. Now, keep in mind, too, remember this experience problem that we've got. As soon as you go to the web on your mobile device, everything slows down immensely. You know, you've got to wait for it to load. You've got to wait for it to, to come up, and you might find it's the wrong thing. So what Apple's trying to do is completely shortcut that entire process. And it's very exciting for people who have apps because, you know, another example that they actually showed me, WDC, is, for example, if you're looking for a place to stay in New York City and you've got Airbnb on your uh, mobile phone, it will bring 
it will surface content based on what Airbnb have. Now, what's exciting for digital publishers is that if enough people uh, who click on your particular bit of information on the search result, Apple very cleverly, this is part of the deep linking, then surfaces that publicly. In other words, they've got to serve, they, you know, people think, oh, Apple are going to compete with Google on search. No, they're not, not at all. They're not interested. You're never going to be able to type, you're never going to see the Apple search engine. You know, you're never going to see that. You can never go to Apple search and type in a phrase like you can Google. They're not interested in that. But if a particular article on the NBA finals is doing really well and it's part of a certain app, if enough people click on that, that gets surfaced up to the public as long as it's being given permission for that to happen. And then uh, that will appear on other people's devices and it will encourage you to download the app as well, which is incredibly exciting from a discovery perspective as well. But what it's all about is it's all a focus on user experience. So the thing that's the slowest experience on your phone right now is looking stuff up. Mm. And if if they can do this on the phone, on the device, and then you you know your search queries literally happen like that with from information and sources that you've already know and trust, that's pretty exciting. And what it does mean, and I think this is that let's look at the other side of this. If let's because you know Apple's batting pretty much 100% when it comes to hardware. When it comes to software and services, they're not. They're, they've had their they've had their hits. They've had their misses big time, right? So this is all a little bit assumptive in the sense that we've got to wait till September to see how this all all rolls out. But if have their way, think about this. You know, from my I put my marketer's hat on for a second. All of a sudden. 800 million devices across the planet. And remember, the people who own these 800 million devices are the people with the disposable income. Mm. Okay, so with my, you know, marketer's hat on, I'm going, well, hang on a second. All of a sudden, Google is not getting any of this data anymore. It's not getting my search recommendations when I'm looking at it on the mobile device because they they just never see it, right? They just never see it. Um, And that is fascinating you know that has implications right because all of a sudden advertising you know advertising through youtube advertising through google and these properties becomes problematic then all of a sudden um you know apple made available all these ad blockers for safari and content and cookie security and you can see there's a real there is a global uh strategy away from search out in the world to search on your device and having literally your search engine in your pocket. And I think that's particularly fascinating. And with a from a marketer's perspective, that's, you know, I've got to figure out how to be able to get in front, get attention from people. So mm. that's where apps become all the more important because if your app with your content, and, and by the way, and this is a complete radical reversal by Apple, for years, if you've created an app that effectively reflects your website on the device, it would be rejected, right? It would. They don't want you to replicate websites on the phone. Mm. Now, what it's saying is that you should have apps which index all of your web content and be out and to make sure that they can then index that on your phone. So it's a complete uh, and pretty radical reversal. But ultimately, what people have to understand is ask yourself this and ask your customers this. How do they search 
on their mobile device. When I ask anybody, they either swipe down and type a search in there or they tap on their browser bar. Now, you know, when you type on that browser bar, you're going to get information from your phone first. And that's mm. a big deal. And as long as if it's great quality information, then people are going to love that and, and keep on using that as their means of search as well. It's, 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 it could be quite incredible. I mean, we could almost be on the cusp of a change of the way that digital is done. Because um, if you look back into the 1980s, Microsoft um, were the big software company. They didn't really have an eye on the internet, and that's why kind of Google took them over. But Google have been focusing on um, the the net really and, and providing searches, and they've moved into personalization and personalized search. But searching within content on your device really is a significant level up from personalized search, isn't it? Well, it's completely the opposite approach. They they take the complete. So, what are Google doing? They are effectively going to do the same thing, right? They announced at Google I/O that you're going to be able to deep link and have content searched in your in your app. However, everything's being done centrally because that's what they're really good at, right? So, so all that information is going to be in. It's going to be part become part of Google, and that's going to be important. To, you know, if you've got a lot of your users with Android devices, you'll want to. St- you will absolutely want to support that as well because it will give a better search result. But they do this centrally and, you know, this all goes down to, you know, Apple's and Google's philosophies are very different. Apple makes their money from selling hardware. Google makes their money from selling information effectively, so providing that information. Google, uh, you know, never count out Google. They're incredibly smart. And they got caught, first of all, they got caught, you know, Google is a search engine of intent, okay, because you go to Google with your intent for something. You go to Facebook because you want to catch up with friends. You're not there with intent. You're there to see what's happening with your circle. And that's what, you know, Facebook is going to be fine with all of this, by the way, because people open the Facebook app all the time. In fact, Facebook will only benefit from this because if they surface some of the your feed content into this, well, it's just going to encourage you to use Facebook more. They're cool. They're fine. But what Google Google didn't know about you as the individual for years, for years and years, and that's what Google Plus was all about. It wasn't about a social network. Yeah, sure, if it took off as a social network, they'd be very excited. But ultimately, it was about uniting all that information. People forget, you know, the best part of Android experience, I think, is Google Now. It's brilliant. Really, really good. It was almost anticipates, oh, you know, you at five o'clock or you know for me at five o'clock i'm always taking the girls swimming so if i swiped up on google now now it would give me the traffic information for that swimming because it knows i haven't had to tell it it just mm. knows based on my thing and it's like magic it's really really cool people forget that google didn't do any of google now until apple first did siri you know and siri was like a um, i described it in a blog post at the time of you know google really punched sorry apple really punched google in the nose with siri but in Beechworth, if you're uh, if you if you're going to be in a fight in a bar, it's not about how to start it. It's you've got to know how to end it. <laughs> and Apple gave them a punch in the nose, but Google, this is right in their you know ballywick. This is their experience. This is their expertise, and they're brilliant uh, at that. So Google now really has raced far far ahead, and Apple have realised they need to be able to provide an experience, but they're is they don't want to know your personal information. It's very, very important to them. 
uh, it's it, it's part of their belief systems and, and DNA. So what they what they need to surface the information on the device. So results are the same. What's the end user experience here? Quicker access to information. You know, the faster you can access the information, the less time that you have to wait. The and the better the information, the better the experience. If I get a better search experience, I'm going to love my iPhone even more and I'll continue to buy an iPhone. And that's where Apple makes all their money. So so that's the uh, that's the thinking. But then if all of a sudden, if all those people with disposable income aren't getting inverted commas exposed into Google with their preferences and so on, Google's uh, search engine becomes doesn't become as good by definition. And all of a sudden, you know, you start looking at, well, where am I advertising? Where am I spending my advertising dollars? Is it effective? This is not going to happen in 12 months, I should say, to David. This is, you know, this is this is going to be interesting over the next five years. Absolutely, right? yeah. So, so what about other devices? Where, where do they fit in? Is it still going to be the the phone or the tablet as the primary device that all this activity takes place on? Or is there going to be a significant place for things like the Apple Watch? Um, I think the, my view is things will revolve effectively around the phone. You know, the phone is the personal device. I've got an Apple Watch and I think it is absolutely fantastic. It's literally the first thing I put on the morning, in the morning, and that's the last thing I take off at night. Um, and it's actually allowed me to be better informed because usually on the phone I turn notifications off all the time. But it was annoying because then I missed notifications from key people that I actually want to to get. But I couldn't stand the buzzing. I couldn't stand stand the the <laughs> vibration or the noise or the dinging. Whereas with the good old with the watch, you know, it just taps me on the wrist. And I know because I've done all sorted out my notifications that if I'm getting a tap on the wrist, it's somebody that I really do want to get a tap on the wrist from. And so I found it fantastic from uh, that point of view. I can't wait till the apps are native on the actual device, but it's an accessory. Okay, yeah, do you think it's something for early adopters at the moment or is it something that the majority yeah, of Yeah, no, and, and I think that's part being part of Apple's strategy is that, again, Joe and Jane Smith don't like to wait. And the app situation on the the watch at the moment is is not is not, it's not good it's diabolical in a sense because if you try to open up an app you, you get this little s- spinning thing for like five ten seconds it's crazy like that's it, an eternity um for the, it's no good at that but when uh in august uh, September when the new uh the the second version of the software comes out all of the changes. And then, and that's funnily enough, I think that will coincide with widespread availability. You know, at the moment, you know, even though I think they're selling gazillions of them, they're selling them to the true believers, right? They're selling mm. them to the, the people who are comfortable with it. And as I said, the more understanding you are of technology, the more you are accepting of little delays and things like that. I don't think Joe and Jane Smith, civilians are accepting of delays at all. Um, but yeah, you know, I love it, but to me, the phone is the 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 device which a lot of these things then rotate off. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of the the iPad. I love using that uh, when I'm out and about and travel. It's been fantastic, and that's only going to get way better. Um, but but at the end of the day, sometimes I leave the iPad at home, right? Sometimes I leave my laptop. Sometimes I leave that. I don't leave my phone. I don't leave my watch. Mm. 
exciting times. So much happening there. Um, but let's. Oh, um, it is. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's segue into the the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading in general. So starting mm. off with software, I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Hmm. I think probably the first the 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 thing if they took away my ability I suppose it's a category of of apps which is um you know effectively take away my RSS readers right. so they took away my because that the way I've got things set up in terms of being able to get all my information on a mobile device and have to be able to do that so efficiently now with uh, you know Mr. Reader on the iPad and and uh, Reader with two E's uh, to be trendy on the on the the iPhone. You know they are my that's like my Encyclopedia Britannica. You know all the information and topics that I'm interested in gets streamed into my phone like magic, and I can very quickly triage all that information. And some of it will go off to to be tweeted. Some of it will be put into buffer. Some of it will go to a Facebook page. Some of it will be um, saved to Evernote for a potential future article. You know that traffic cop of information. I. You know, if I was to think of one thing, um, I'd hate to be without that. Wow, okay. And a slightly more challenging question. What piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Um, I, that's a, that is a tough question for me because if I hear about something, I'm pretty desperate to try it pretty much straight away. <laughs> the, I'll tell you what, Slack um, is the is probably the app, and, and I'm cheating because I, we are using it. But that what it, what Slack represents, and for people who haven't heard of it, Slack is it's sort of like instant messaging crossed with um, project management crossed with group software. It sounds really weird, and even if you go to uh, Slack, the website S L A C K. But to me, what it is, it's about running, it's the platform for running company communications going forward. Think about this, right? It's how do you communicate with your best friends right now, right? How do you communicate? What's the number one method of communication? If I'd asked that question 25 years ago, it would be picking up a landline phone, Mm. right? And you'd be talking to them. If I asked that question five years ago, it would be probably talking to them on their mobile phone. But if I was asking that question today, it would be text, right? It would be messaging. It would be, that's how most people communicate with their friends. Like the long conversation on a phone is rarer and rarer, but I think we all communicate collectively more because we're using text and we're, you know, we're texting people and we're um, communicating that way. And I think Slack acknowledges is is built from the ground up from from that fact and the fact that we use mobile devices and we're on the go and all those sorts of things so that would be um a piece of software that i think a lot of people may not have seen but uh when you use it it's pretty phenomenal Mm. the great thing about asking these questions um consistently is obviously i can see the trend in terms of um, a few people saying the same thing. And um, mm. a couple of people have said Slack now, and it's not something that I've really actively used, I'm, I'm aware of as well. But um, if it's repeated by a, you know, a few top 
um, digital marketers, then it's obviously something that should people should be looking into. So um, interesting. But I'll, I'll include mm. notes to the RSS tools and Slack in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. And, um, but moving on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? I think experimentation. I think is the is the uh, testing and experimentation. I really think that's um, an understanding that the standard result of and something that you test is typically negative, right? So, in other words, you'll do ten tests and maybe one or two will improve on your control. You know, and that doing these in the field tests rather than sitting back and thinking, oh, is this piece of copy going to work or headline going to work? Rather than doing that whole process in my head and then hoping that I've come up with the best possible solution and releasing it, I should have just got it out in the field and tested in the field. That to me would be the the thing that I, I would have liked to have told myself back in day one, that you're going to get much better results and you're going to get much better better clarity of information from actual experiments mm. than uh, you will hypothetically designing something or doing a business plan or any of those sorts of things. And that advice goes tenfold today because back when I started, of course, traffic was super duper easy, right? It was simple. You could pay Google five cents and you could upload 30,000 words in a day and just see what stuck and then get rid of all the stuff that you didn't get anything from, right? Right. Traffic was easy. Product creation, you know, doing what we're doing now would have cost literally, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in in just transmission fees, let alone actually being able to have the technology to do it, right? Um, It's now that's turned, right? It's 100% opposite. So now here in 2015, it's product that's easy, and traffic and getting people's attention is hard because there's so many awesome things you can be doing. In the old days, we used to say on the internet, oh, there's so much garbage online. You have to wait. The job is to wade through all the garbage, right? Now, the problem is there's so much awesome stuff that you could be doing. Mm. There's so much incredibly cool stuff that you could be doing at any particular point in time that, goodness me, you know, that's what we're competing against, you know, to our markets, getting that attention is is priceless. So iterating and testing is the biggest, to me, is, is, is the biggest change I've seen over the 10 years and the advice that I would give myself earlier on. You know, I often say, you know, the person who tests most in a market is the winner, will okay. be the winner in the market. Notice I didn't say successful tests. Very important distinction mm-hmm. here, Right experiments because that's the other thing i tell myself is the result of your test is out of your control you're dealing with other human beings and other chemical reactions in other brains you don't have control over that all you have control over is the ability to conduct the test and flick the switch to turn it on but here's the thing whatever the result you are more certain than you were before you started the experiment right you've learned something You've, and maybe you've learned something that doesn't work, but you've learned something. You've become more certain in your particular niche. And so the more experiments you conduct, the more certainty you get, regardless of whether they were inverted commas, a positive or a negative. That's immaterial. It's the number that you're doing, quantity. You know, this, um, you know, it's the quantity of tests, not the quality of the tests is mm. most 
important. And um, that's what I'd really like to tell myself. In fact, oh, I'm sorry, this is a long answer, but this is really, really cool. Um, they actually did a, a Stanford study uh, just released fairly recently. They did a study of two ceramics classes, pottery, right, creating pottery. Yeah. And they divided up the, the class and they were given a, an assignment. And the assignment was to half the class, it was produce one piece of awesome pottery and your entire grade will be on this one awesome piece of pottery, right? There, you do your best, right? Which is when you think about it, that's standard, that's tradition. The other half of the class was told you will be marked purely on the quantity of pottery that you create so the number of pots that you throw effectively right so they the more people you make right the more pieces you make the higher your mark guess what happened so they got independent pottery judges in where do you think all of the top pieces judged by independent judges came from the quality section where everybody spent all their time working on one thing or yeah. the quantity section where they were just throwing out things as much as they could. From what you were saying before, it's got to be quantity. Correct. Mm. Exactly right. And this is the thing. And 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 that to me crystallizes something I've seen having done, you know, doing the challenge and, you know, having introduced over 300,000 people now to online business through the challenge. That's what I see again and again and again. It's the people that are out there doing testing, testing in the field, not sitting back and thinking in their heads or on paper, you know, oh, I wonder if this will work, I wonder if that will work. The people who are successful, they actually say, they don't think about it, go, okay, let's do the test, see what happens. I, w- I would summarise what you said there in six words, uh, which is sharpen the saw while you're running. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that could be dangerous, though, David. That's not necessarily. <laughs> that is not necessarily. You know, I, I would have to put a some sort of warning on this podcast. About, <laughs> maybe I uh, have to know, refine that quote. Yeah, don't, don't run with a chainsaw. You know, it's not smart to be running, sharpening a chainsaw. There is lots of pointy things there, buddy. You can, you know, you can really. There might be children watching this who I'll might just be put a parental guidance sticker on here, and we'll be all Absolutely. right. Absolutely, you've got to watch that. Well, moving on to the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. So ten quick questions oh, and just yeah. two rules. <laughs> yeah. Try not try not to think about the answer too much. Okay, and that, that's mm-hmm. going to be challenging, maybe. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So ready to go? Okay. Email or Twitter. Twitter. Audio or video. Video. Affiliates or display advertising. Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relationships. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? App. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local. That wasn't so much of a challenge, was it? That was pretty easy, actually. <laughs> so definitely Facebook over Google+, Plus, even though they're oh. d- diminishing their organic reach and pages. They're, they're still oh, absolutely. The you know, the, to me, you know, the, but here's the thing. It's pay to play, right? Give Facebook right. the money and 
Facebook will give give you the you know if if people ask me where to spend their first advertising dollar and I don't know anything and if I had to give an answer without you know doing any sort of due diligence not a good idea by the way but let's just assume it's like running running and sharpening our saws at the same time is I would always advise Facebook um because you know we're consistently seeing across and we're very fortunate uh to see a lot of different publishers in a lot of different niches and you know facebook advertising is killing it at the moment you're not going to get it for free free stuff um but google plus i don't think anybody's on it realistically it might be actually that's not fair there's billions of people on google plus when you're on youtube you're on google plus when you're using the google search engine you're on google plus right but in terms of people's um where they are and where they are with intent uh, or where they are. See, Facebook knows what you like and that's so important. And so you can target your advertising so well and we can we can email you we can use our lists of um, people who have bought particular products and we can upload those lists into Facebook and then we can they match those and we can target advertising directly to them. There's so many powerful techniques uh, that, yeah, Facebook's a no-brainer when you ask that question. So this might be a, a repeat of the previous answer, but uh, let's see. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Yeah, I think it would be, fa- you're right, it would be Facebook. That would be the that would be the thing that I would um, do that, and your your success is your return on investment. You know, you I would use them. So to to be just advertising though is, and this is actually important. So this does extend the answer. In a sense, what am I trying to? I'm trying to build a tribe. What is job one for any online business? In my view, is building a tribe. And specifically, and one of the questions you asked in the quickfire round, I think, was you know, uh, social or email. Yeah. Today, it's still email is still the king, queen, and the entire court. Right. It's it's just no brainer. If I've got uh, you know, if I've got three thousand passionate Twitter followers, or I've got three thousand passionate people who open my emails. It's no contest, right? Yeah. We want to build that list. We want to build um, that following. And building a tribe, to me, building a tribe, if people aren't even prepared to give you their email address, do you think they're going to buy stuff from you? Um, you haven't obviously built any relationship whatsoever. So to me, spending that $10,000, let us take 8000 of it for ad spend, but then let's use 2000 to create a uh a, a giveaway, a response, you know, something that people will you would genuinely solve a really big problem in that market to give away so that we're building a list. So we're offering something of incredible value so people will go, will be thrilled at giving me my email because we're answering the problems that are in the person's head. And that's why Facebook's so good because you can, you know, you can start to look from a demographic perspective, I mean, it's it, it lets you advertise demographically, and you you know history of advertising here. But demographic advertising meant TV, it meant radio, right? You couldn't know who you were doing. Facebook gives you the best of both worlds. It's Facebook, but it's personal. Like it's sorry, demographic, but it's personal. It's pay per click. It's cost for performance. So that is really interesting to me. And I know my eight thousand dollars right now will go an awful long way you know i'd probably actually now i think about it if i was slip something else in there youtube and this would depend on the niche 
particularly. Like if there's a lot of YouTube audience for the types of things that I'm doing, there's some amazing, people are doing some amazing things in terms of YouTube traffic, retargeting, targeting specific YouTube videos. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of positive, really, really cool stuff there. But I would always make sure that the I've got a funnel. You know, you want to spend that a couple of thousand dollars on creating a great funnel. And what I mean by that is that you've got a uh, you've got a great giveaway. You've got something that you can give away in return for an email, and then you've got a sequence which educates, which informs, which build, you know binds people to your tribe, and ultimately offers them something to buy. Mm. Yeah, I was just talking to Nathan Haig, um, a fellow Australian, actually, in episode 109 of Digital Marketing Radio, and he's really into YouTube advertising, and he was going on about um, how you can actually get um, pre-roll ads for nothing, as long as people actually click on the ad within the first 30 seconds. So these- yeah, I think, unfortunately, they're changing like they and this is only literally by the time people uh probably hear this um that has been the case for the last year or so but i believe they're changing it um which is sad but it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter because it's the uh um it's still you know it's still if you paid seven you know the rough just to give people a rough metric if you were paying seven dollars for a keyword on the Google search engine, which is not, by the way, unheard of in this day and age, uh, you'd be paying 70 cents for a YouTube click. Um, And, you know, so it's still um, that you can get some incredible bang for your buck. Test and learn. Um, But um, we could carry on our conversation. I I know we could. But um, let's try and distill um, what you've said there um, into one particular thing, if we can do that, just finishing off with. My number one takeaway. So, I mean, you've offered a lot of great advice in the conversation, but what would you say is the number one single most important step that our listeners just need to take away and implement within their own businesses? Look, it really, look, and we've mentioned this concept a couple of times, but it's worth emphasising, is that testing in the field. So rather than, um, you know, you know, sort of wring hands and and think, well, is this campaign going to work? Is this going to work? Is this ad going to work? Is this ad not going to work? Test it. Get it out there and test. And because, like I said, the person who conducts the most experiments wins. Now, the reason people don't like to test is because they don't like failure. And it's not your fault, by the way. Anybody who's listening to this, we're conditioned to this. Our entire schooling, and this is a great tragedy of it, is about getting the right answer and the wrong answer. And we feel we're meant to feel bad when we Mm. get the wrong answer and feel good when we get the right answer. But in business, typically, you know, for every 10 wrong answers we get one right one and that's cool that's fine you can have the most incredibly successful business in the world based on that but you need to be testing because often the things that actually work are not the things that you started that you thought would work you know and i've got a great track record here where i think oh this is going to kill this is going to be fantastic and it's nothing and then stuff that i thought wouldn't work in 100 years is the thing that was the killer trick right Mm. that is the way it's gone yeah and that's just life you know so keep on testing in the field but don't take any chainsaws with you that's it that's exactly (laughs) right great okay well that i reckon takes us to the end of our discussion today so thank you so much for your advice your time what's the best way for audience to find out more about you and what you do 
Uh, best is eddale.co, E-D-D-A-L-E.co, and you'll see all the Twitter and all that sort of stuff. There's one thing in specific, though, that I've been really enjoying and doing and uh, is uh, I've been focusing on my YouTube live channel uh, and so if you just do a search for Ed Dale on YouTube and subscribe there, I'm doing a lot of if what I've been talking about today has been interesting, I do a lot of uh, talking on all of that on my YouTube channel. So uh, check out my YouTube channel for a lot of good information. Absolutely. Okay, great stuff. Um, and thank you, dear listener, for joining us as well. Um, if you'd like what you heard, I'd really appreciate your feedback. So just go to digitalmarketingradio.com slash iTunes. Go straight to the app uh, and uh, leave an honest rating and review. That'd be wonderful. It would uh, do a lot of good for our ranking on iTunes as well. Um, finally, I'm also hosting my own live show every Friday as well. It's actually 4 o'clock UK time every Friday. Big thumbs up from Ed there, so that's, that's great. Um, 4 o'clock, uh, 4 o'clock in the UK, that's 11 a.m. in New York. Um, I'm not sure what time it is in Sydney. It's, it's her, uh, some Where horrible it? time in the middle in of the in the afternoon? In the UK, yeah. yeah. At, uh, yeah, it's, uh, what is it? It's 7 a.m. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's just about doable, yeah. No, yeah, get up for breakfast. Why not, yeah. So until we meet, meet again, adios, dear viewer, and um, thank you for joining us, Ed. No worries. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>